What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents Marvel's Pair Up, the What If series with the history of the Marvel cinematic movies that are not in the MCU, just regular movies before everything was interwoven and credit scenes and cameos. However, this week we're going to talk about some of the attempts to seemingly create this universe on TV using the same methods they do now, but not done nearly as effectively. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Jamie Giraffe. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are now three weeks into Marvel's What If. We now have our third episode, What If the Earth's Mightiest Heroes Fell or Died. The title was weird to me, but that's fine. It's, very, it's about as long as our titles. Yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah no, it's a problem. And we have the same problem where I'm like, people are going to find our show and be like, what is this? Or like, you get into Disney Plus now and it's like, what if episode three? What if dot, dot, dot? Like, you got, we got to make these longer. We got to make them longer. Yeah. got to be able to read the whole thing, but... Uh, what did you guys think of this episode, title notwithstanding? <laughs> it was probably my favorite, um, just because I'm such an Agents of Phil Coulson fan. So, like, getting Clark Gregg back and getting him, like, really fangirling over Thor. Sniffing like, Thor. <laughs> sniffing him at his Steve password. I also liked how dark it was. Like, it was kind of cool watching them all die, watching the Hulk explode. Um, you know, it's still not my favorite show, uh, you know, but uh, it's still like, you know, this is still a lot of just stuff we've seen, just so slightly different. Um, but I definitely enjoyed this episode the most, mainly because Clark Gray. Yeah, no, I, I dug the episode quite a bit. I, I, I feel like, I think I know what it is with Jamie and why I sort of have the same disconnect. I think when you're coming from something that is telling a story and they're all sort of interwoven where you have something that's sort of an offshoot to itself, especially since it's animated, not live action, kind of just like, I, I like this, but this isn't really moving moving anything forward. So mm -hmm. I get how, because I'm sort of in that same boat with, I enjoy it, but I don't love it as much as I've loved everything else that's sort of happened. This episode I did uh, really dig a lot of the ones that we had. Uh, because T'Challa was in the last one, it's probably not my favorite, but it is, it is real close. I love the murder mystery. The stuff with uh, Black Widow getting killed is dark it's I was like, this is this is violent and aggressive and i am here for it i like this um but it was cool seeing again seeing scenes that we've seen and from another angle uh from donut to hulk they they keep trying to shove that hulk movie back down our throats guys it's not a thing stop <laughs> but it's cool that they're trying to uh, make all of that stuff sort of connect in this world and I, it was good was good to hear clark Gregg again um mm -hmm. It is getting a little weird though that they get some actors and then not others. Like it's hearing Sam as Nick is great, and then hearing Lake Bell as Black Widow. I'm like, oh, oh this is weird. I thought she did was, did a good job though. She like, did, I, like, but I, it's it a very jarring. Me. Especially since I've I watched I've seen every episode of Harley Quinn like 15 times. Like I was worried that I would only hear Poison Ivy, and I didn't. Yeah, she did a great job. It's just it's jarring when some certain people are in place and some are not. And Blake, we finally got the answer to your question is of whether they're not all connected because the fact that this episode had Steve or at least mentioned Steve, like I don't think Colson would have his password be Steve whatever if, if Steve wasn't Captain America. So I guess that- Well, they that, are... and they died. <laughs> well, but Steve didn't 
but yeah, I don't know. It's all weird. Yeah. But yeah, but I think we did. So we finally got your confirmation that you were looking for. It definitely answered that question. Is you're right. This implies that in this world, Steve Rogers was Captain America during the, the war. Right. Uh, obviously, everyone's dead. So I, the other ones that I, I don't think could have happened. I don't think uh, the collector would be very interested in a bunch of failed superhero relics. I don't think that that's a very appealing thing to go get. Uh, I do think it's interesting how they kind of, in the marketing of this episode, the lead up was all like, well, this is the big, like, what if Loki went to Earth? And I was like, this is, this was the kind of had a big rap under it. And I also, it's my favorite one by a mile. Uh, I still am enjoying the show. It's always nice to hear Coulson. This is again, like a weird show they've made for me where we're just palette swapping characters that I know and are now doing crazy things with them but i think what i really like the most about this one is the other two wild good were very much like uh hit y on ryu during stage select and pick a different character like it was we didn't change too much of the story it was kind of palette swapping captain america and star lord and we got interesting themes and interesting ideas and interesting things to ponder about the world and if it was T'Challa, Thanos would have been good. So what's the big threat that's left there? If it was Captain Carter, who is the Winter Soldier and what is that big squid monster? But this one was, I felt, the first one that really didn't leave us with those questions and instead dove into what those questions usually are. Each one has ended with me wondering about a bigger universe. And this one kind of just went, screw all of it. What if we just killed them all? Hank Pym was around before all these guys. He was there. What if his daughter had different motivations, got killed presumably by the Winter Soldier, and then we had an, a serial killer assaulting superheroes? Yeah, Because it's also not a genre we've ever really seen in superhero media. We haven't really had a like serial killer mystery yeah. in any movie or TV show I can think of. So I also appreciated tackling something else. Michael Douglas looks so dark and awful in that. Uh, I loved even the like, well, now we have to work with what we've got, which is Loki. And then seeing his rise to power through all of this was another just awesome thing. It really showed us everything and then still left me with the like, ah, but I want more. I want to see Captain Marvel and Steve go wreck these Lokis. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Still love the animation. This was another one that showed me though, how much care these writers are putting into this show or this writer i think it's just one person doing all the episodes because they mention a location in this episode of where hope is and in winter soldier in our main universe black widow mentions is being in that city when the winter soldier kills one of her friends and shoots her so i was like well then in this world that friend is just hope instead of it being widow and this mystery person it's somebody else we're following the same template from one of the old short films that used to be in there of Nick Fury's long week where we're showing that all these happened at the same time. It was like, I don't love the Incredible Hulk movie, but it was fun to go back to that school right. and see Ross and see Betty and these kind of lost characters of the MCU and even kind of getting Mark Ruffalo in parts of that movie. As it's a, it's a, Tricky way to be like, yeah, it's been Ruffalo the whole time. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I also like that 
as obvious as it was that it was Ant-Man doing it, it also wasn't. I kept catching myself being like, well, it's got to be Ant-Man, but it can't be Ant-Man. And why would it be Ant-Man? But whatever, it's like, well, it's got to be something small, like Ant-Man. <laughs> but why would it be Ant-Man? Yeah. Like the, I didn't it really, get it at all. I was shocked. I didn't. I, I was either Ant-Man or Ghost. I was like, it had something to do with that world. But it's like, yeah. either somebody who can go invisible or small. Once she kept saying hope. But before that, I had no idea. Yeah, the second she's like hope, you're like, oh, I just then yeah. did the dumb thing where I was like, hope's doing it. And I was like, oh, I bet in this one, Hank's going to be dead. And she's coming and she's, back for revenge. Yeah. Like now it's going to be like both her parents went out and she's coming back. She doesn't have Hank Pym and to I feel like, like, keep her. I feel like that would have, I, I can see how you got there because she would have more of the proclivity to go, go around if she lost both her parents. Like, yeah, I'm going to murder everybody now. Right. I also, it, it also kind of begs a weird question of like when Nick Fury was putting together these superheroes, why didn't he call Hank? It, it it does create a bit of a loophole that exists in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You're like he's always been here, and until we get to Ant Man, we don't really talk about it. But if he's always been there, even if he's just as a consultant, which you were going to do for Tony, he should have gotten a call. Because yeah. I was like, oh, maybe he'll just be mad about that. I wouldn't mind if we just got there and he was like, I wanted to really? join the boy band, the Archer. I, I can invited. shrink and grow. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, here's my audition piece. I killed all of them. It also answers the like, like, could he have shrunk up there and gotten up in Thanos's butt? And now we're like, I guess, maybe. Possibly. Love seeing the Hulk explode. These are the weird like comic Elseworlds. And I'm like, yes, show me yeah. these weird versions of these characters. Uh, I'm loving it. And I just hope season two has a like, all right, Steve and Carol are going to go fight this army. Yeah, I would love to see the follow-up stuff yeah because even like i said it before the credit scene to my roommate i was like but you know is he now just going to delay the avengers and our first team is going to be strange spider-man t'challa the guardians like are we now just skipping something or are we gonna like go straight to the second whatever we have sort of now our version of it anyway i was like that would have been great plus you know when we get to season two we'll have Shang-Chi, The Eternals, No Way Home, a lot of other things on the board to play with. Uh, yes. Even things like WandaVision. I'm sure you could now do a like, I don't know, what if she was into procedurals instead of sitcoms? <laughs> Give me that right now. Yes. <laughs> a lot. I just, I'm like, there's so much to do. And I also now have hope for what I've always wanted, which is a prequel show that is animated that is Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it's Hank and Janet. I definitely, like yeah. And because they're, I was always afraid because they were older, we would never get that. But yeah, that's the perfect way to do that is via animation. Because you're right. It's a little jarring when we're mixed, but I feel like if you just got a voice cast, I wouldn't notice. I wouldn't it. notice it. It's just when it's one is and one is not, that's when it's like, okay, this is. Especially uh, when it's lines from the movies. Like the disconnect here was that I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but were they just playing Robert Downey Jr.'s old lines? Did they get a know, new voice actor? I don't know. It's a new was... voice actor. It's somebody. Okay. Okay. Because okay. it sounded very good. He did good, uh, but it yeah. was it was somebody else. Okay. Because at first you it was know like, weird. Oh, I watched that... the movie last night that featured Randy's Donuts. Great. I was like, it's a pretty big staple. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> 
but yeah no i i i it's weird hearing the jar especially like if it's prominent language that you say we all know you're like ah wait a minute there is a version of this i mean they didn't do it with lion king i guess so they were like hey james earl jones let's go ahead and get you in front of a booth and record booth office again but I, it just seems why why not right no my biggest issue is still the runtime i still am like we could be we could these sure. could be hour long so sure but yeah. uh very excited to see what's next but of course this is one of our first what ifs with nick fury it is one of our first ones with a crossover of sorts, a team building. And as we're sort of accidentally going in order, I think this is a great time to close out the pre-Marvel Entertainment television pilots, television in general part of the history, because it sort of gets us to why What If works. And I think understanding what this stuff did right and wrong and evolving gets us to this wonderful animated crossover spectacular that <laughs> no one ever thought we would get. No. I'm of course talking about the TV movie in 1988, which is just so crazy to me. The Return of the Incredible Hulk, the first television crossover with these characters where Thor shows up. And we're also going to be talking about the 1990s Nick Fury, David Hasselhoff telefilm a backdoor pilot. All of this is insane. All of this history is weird. And it's it's so straightforward now, but now we're in this weird era of like, we're gonna bring back what worked and it's gonna flop and we're gonna try something else and it's <laughs> gonna flop. But before we do that, you guys both just watched Nick Fury for the first time. So let's start with that. Uh, because I feel like this is now the big telefilm that lives in this weird ether where people don't believe that it's real or they've seen it or they're just amazed that it even was ever attempted to get made. So, Jamie, what do you think of of Hasselhoff's attempt, I guess? I we'll loved every second of it. And I know a part of that is because Agents of Field is my favorite show. And there were so many things where I was like, oh, LMDs! Oh! Oh, oh, what about Shocker? Like, I was just like, every time something happened that like is related to Agents of Field in any way, I got so excited. And I think that like Hasselhoff, I thought was great. It was like this perfect blend of gritty and silly, um, uh, you know, just smoking those cigars. I love that his like partner was Contessa because it's just, it feels like a cool connecting way to now because Julie, Julie Louis-Dreyfus really does feel like she's the anti Samuel Jackson after the Black Widow credits. And, and uh, I just, there were so many cool things that just were so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like there was a helicarrier. Um, the fact that the, I love that the woman, the villain was a woman, Viper, who is like, there is a version, Madame Hydra version of Viper in the comics and Madame Hydra is my favorite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. villain. And so there was that connection. Um, and then we had Alexander Pierce and it was funny because I kept waiting for him to be back. I did too. I was thinking yeah. like, he's got a switch, right? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> um, uh, but he was just like this dopey kid. It, it's so weird yeah. to like, think like he's like, he could grow into being um, uh, Robert Redford, but otherwise it's just like, it's like a whole new, it's a whole, what if it's a whole, what if universe. But my favorite thing about it was that Nick Fury loses his eye to Baron Von Strucker, who, you know, we obviously we just saw again in WandaVision and is a part of Big Paul's Ultron and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I think that's a, a a cooler way to get a cat but uh but i do love the clerk and it's funny but uh, clerk is but I, a very funny character it's just a terrible way for like us building up to why he lost his eye like that's how great 
that yeah. seems cheap. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it immensely. It was it was not good, but it was it was it, of all the things that we've watched, like the the Hulk we're going to talk about, the Captain Americas. It's, it was my favorite. By the most movie. enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's a bad movie, but it, I it is fun. There's something about it that like I I can't stop watching this. David Hasselhoff, he's having a ball. And I, I like I feel like he might have just got a lifetime supply of cigars. He's like, look, anytime that I'm shooting a scene, I want to have a cigar in my mouth. And it worked. I was like, I'm here for this. This is all good. We get like she named through a couple of them. We get a version of Dum Dum Dugan in here. I was like, this is weird, but I think I dig this. Cause you start pick pulling at the edge and like, oh, there's a helicarrier. We're talking about uh, Shield, we're talking about Hydra, we're talking about Baron von Strucker, you're naming the von Strucker twins. Everything here feels like we're building for a world that obviously we never get to because it ends on a cliffhanger of like Baron von Strucker was on ice and now he's back and we never find out what happens after that, which is an interesting way. That happens a lot in these 80s, those 80s movies. Like we're we're putting all our eggs in the basket and then the basket just crashes to the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that I feel like a modern complaint about movies is the assumption that they're getting a sequel or a world. And I'm like, well, we've always been. That's been the case. Ending movies this way. But yeah. this was meant to be a giant Fox show predating Blade, and which isn't 20th Century Fox, I don't think. Uh, uh, X-Men. Yeah, it was. Yes, New Line. God, those things were spread around for so long. <laughs> uh, it's so crazy. But I also quite enjoy this. I think it's very weird. It really feels like a proto Spider-Man where when you go back and you watch that, it's a, a little campier, mm -hmm. it's a little kookier. And you know, now every Marvel movie does follow this formula. And when you go back to when we weren't following a formula and doing some of this, just things that aren't even necessarily risky, they would just never do it in a Marvel movie. Him chewing the cigars, these like weird, witty, like not quite Marvel witty, but like almost a more like brash mm -hmm. witty, like he's almost a prick. Uh, and it's very Bronze Age, the story, the character. And what's funny is how accurate it is to that Nick Fury. Because this is a few years before the Ultimate Comics relaunched the character model him after Sam Jackson and reinvent him for a modern age. And it's been, I think, what, eight years before, 10, well, the movie is 10, but 10 the ultimate universe is eight years before Sam Jackson then shows up in Iron Man. And that is just who Nick Fury, or yeah, who Nick Fury is now. There's no other way around it. He's now the super spy who controls everything. And for a while, he was this like escape from New York, gritty he looks weird. a lot like snake yeah. <laughs> well i mean it's david s goyer this is like this is also the prototype for him this is the guy who went on to do x-men movies and batman begins and the dark knight and once upon a time he was like here's how we're gonna do it and i just love this era and i would have liked to have seen how this grows but before we really get to how that fully influences it let's go back even further the Incredible Hulk has wrapped, Howard the Duck has come out, and there has not been anything Marvel-ish around until New World Television decides to take what they can, which they now own Marvel. They're about to become something else entirely. 
They sort of snatch back those old universal rights and go, it is time for the Incredible Hulk reunion. And this time we're gonna re-spark the flame and we're gonna put Thor in it. And Thor is gonna get his own show. And we're just gonna do what we did with Lou Ferrigno and we're gonna do it again. And it's gonna be great. It did not launch a Thor show. It did spawn two TV sequels, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, where they are once again attempting to give Daredevil a backdoor pilot, also fails. And then the death of the Incredible Hulk, which was meant to lead up to the re revenge of the Incredible Hulk when he would have been Smart Hulk. But unfortunately, uh, Bill Brigsby passed away before they could get that one off the ground. But this brings us from kind of the 70s to the 90s in one show. And yeah. it never stops feeling like the 70s. It still feels like the 70s. <laughs> well, I, I had to double check. I'm like, this is 88? I 100% I had to do that too. Because I, look, I remember watching the show and I knew the show ended in eight, 82, I think. So there's a six year gap. This movie, these movies still feel very much like they are in that 78, 79 range of the way that they're shot, the way that they're story structured and everything. I was like, this doesn't feel like it's current current day for the time that they, they, they filmed this. And I was just like, uh, are we sure? Because it feels very dated, like extremely. It was fun though to watch Hulk and Thor fight. It's kind of surreal. Like now that Ragnarok exists, like going, like it just like going back and watching them and like it's so goofy like they're just like men with like normal men who are just beefier yeah yeah it, it, it's it's weird because like blake sort of brought it up the whole dichotomy before the incredible hulk and why it works so much that bill bixby carried the weight of the majority of that show and that series in this in the film and then lou would just come in and like hulk smash, smash. <laughs> but they were trying to do that again with the thor character by giving donald blake and donald blake would be the conduit to call on thor and it just feels odd. Like watching it, I was like, this doesn't belong. Get Donald out of there. Like, yeah, Blake was him. like so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just doesn't quite have that same resonance that Bill Brigsby's banner does, where there is this weight to him and this fighting. And I do like the monologue. He's like, oh, I feel like it's like two people going off and you're going to get cured. And he's like, no, no, no. You and I are not the same. Right. You could just never call Thor again. <laughs> right end of conversation and like that was i'm sure meant to be donald blake's arc through the show that we never got but he just is kind of a loser and like a rude loser like every time he calls thor it's like it's inconvenient to him yeah. and thor never wants to do anything other than like drink and like save the world it's not like he shows up and like throws Blake away or does anything wrong. He just comes in as like, I want to drink. Where's the fridge? I'm really hungry. And then like, let's get to get a meet of Valhalla. I let's love their little honky tonk outing. Just uh, honky tonk. Oh, they go to the biker bar. It's great. There is yeah. some like fun stuff in this. I like the expedition to the Norse grave sites. I like this very small hammer that they have which is i know just like that so hammer is tiny and there's no anybody can pick it up there is no spell <laughs> we don't meet odin we don't see valhalla which i have to assume is part of why the show never got made because there's not a lot of history other than like oh well we were going to do this uh it was smash ratings but we just never made the thor show yeah, and I have to assume that it was going to get really expensive. That budget was going to be nuts. Yeah, 
That budget was going to be nuts. Now, I don't know how you didn't get a Daredevil show made. I feel like you could have just been like law and order, but with a crime fighter and you would have been fine. <laughs> but this is, uh, it's weird. These three pilots kind of mark the end of Universal's bizarre time. And they only ever got the Incredible Hulk to work. We sort of touched on the Doctor Strange pilot, which then also became a TV movie that did have Jessica Walter in it as the villain. Uh, I can only find a trailer for that, but let me tell you, it's it looks great. <laughs> uh, we were then going to make a Spider-Man one. You can find the trailer for that too, and it looks abysmal. None <laughs> of these came beyond their television pilot attempts. The Hulk worked, and I feel like Thor was their attempt to be like, no, it's the same thing. There's a dichotomy here. Mm -hmm. They're going to call Thor for the action, but like Donald Blake's going to do a lot of stuff. And that's like, he's, he's, a, he's a punk. He's, we don't like that. We don't want him. <laughs> and then we, you know, we tried again, and then right at the tail end of it, you know, then we're kind of in the 90s. So we're now starting the development of the Hulk movie that will become Angry's. We're also pre-Blade. We're now going to have this weird six years where there's just not really a lot happening. And it turns out that they're going to have way more success with these like ripped off syndicated shows like Generation X. And what was the other one? It's Generation X and some other... Generation X was, was, was highly syndicated. It was on some weird hours, but it was going for a a, a, a bit like three like, years yeah before fox sued them <laughs> correct like, hold on you're doing this and we're not a what are you doing over there yeah i guess it was mostly generation x i can't find yeah. another one nighthawk i thought what it was oh mutant x and nightman that's what i'm thinking of that's mutant when the lawsuit x. began before that then it's 1995 Fox has announced that they've gained all these properties from new world entertainment including generation x which got made a Black Widow pilot, which just never saw the light of day, and the Nick Fury show, which we talked about. It was the casting of Hasselhoff that made Marvel Comics be like, okay, we're done. We've done three <laughs> years of campy nonsense with our characters. It's time that we get to the root of who these characters are and why they worked in the comics. And from now on, we're not letting these creators, it's not going to be david banner anymore it's bruce banner we're not gonna do these changes they keep wanting this is who they are which is great because then you ushered in blade x-men and spider-man back to back to back and like once they kind of clicked with that is when everything changed until it all stopped changing again <laughs> and then you know the last ones these nightman and mutant x was kind of the last shot and then we were sort of done this was kind of the end of the television attempts until the Blade movies launched a Blade television show in 2006 that had one season and went away. Yeah. Uh, who was Blade in that? I don't even uh, know. In the TV series for Blade? Yeah. Um, Sticky Fingers from Onyx was the, who's a rapper, uh, but he okay. on Spike TV for you. And it's actually, look, it's actually a really good show. They just didn't give it enough time. It was coming on after Monday Night Raw, either Monday Night Raw, I believe, as the lead in. And that audience is, is very different. I think had they given it a year time, it probably would have stayed on. It was actually pretty solid. It just, nobody was watching it. 
this is making me realize um i hadn't thought about it before just like all these failed backdoor pilots that that like that's not something that's really changed like um agents of shield was supposed to spawn marvel's most wanted mm-hmm. um which was going to be the bobby and hunter show and they filmed that pilot and to this the day pilot, like i would, I would, kill, I would yeah. kill to watch that pilot i would give literally anything to see it and yeah. the, their departure from Agents of Shield, I've seen that episode ten times, and it makes me sob every time. When she so left, sad. I was sad. Yeah, I it was... is so sad when they leave, and and it, and it, like, and it's just so weird that it just they never even gave the pilot a chance, despite mm. being filmed. And it's crazy that like that was only that was season three of Agents of Shield. It's not that long ago that like they they really and it's the same thing like they were going to make the Ghost Rider show on Hulu and with the uh, Gabriel Luna from Agents Luna, of Shield yeah. and then they just stopped. It's like they really get they really get nervous with their tv properties they do they do yeah it's very odd because even like the netflix stuff only got so many shots before mm-hmm. they were like oh we're good we're done we're not going to do another punisher we're done closing up shop thanks guys and it's not just and them because the, the other side does that too like the flat like the flash had a series in the 90s that was one season they're like all right abort everybody out we're going to call this yeah, and for every like giant television success, there's just a litany of failures between Trash it. Because it, it's yeah. this is really where like New World closes up shop and we don't really do anything with TV until Marvel Entertainment is actually formed. And in 2010 is when they start being like, we've got some ideas. And it, it's this is really, I feel like like 1944 to 1998, which is a very long amount of time is really the like phase one of Marvel's attempts to do this between these Captain America serials, one feature film, and a very long running Incredible Hulk TV show. And yeah. all of these other attempts. I was like, it, it's fascinating when you really look at it and where we are now, because it was a time where people were just like, I don't know, here's a check, figure it out. Make yeah, it I mean, we didn't talk about the 89, the the Punisher for 89, but that's another film that's just in there. You're like, well, all right, Dolph, here, go film some stuff and do it. Yeah, a lot of like direct-to-video, direct-to-TV, yeah. like the litany of attempts before Blade, really. And I, I feel like Blade then starts the like second chapter of it. And you then have this like war of the studios of Ghost Rider and FF and X-Men and Spider-Man. And then, like, right before that, I would even say, like, phase three is, like, pre-Disney owning them. When it was, like, well, we're going to go get our guys back. Collect and now out, we're yeah. in this whole new world where it's, like, well, now it should all just work. Right. Because it's pretty crazy when you look at the stuff in the David Hasselhoff show movie thing. And we look at all this stuff where we're, like, well, no, it was kind of more like the comic. And it was behaving like a Bronze Age. And then you get to this very, like, Hollywood Blade movie that just gets who he is and what he does and then you get a like an X-Men movie that is like here is who Magneto and Xavier are and they're going to drive this movie and then you get to Spider-Man where it's this just like love letter to Silver Age Mm -hmm. campy great storytelling and it it took them this long for it to kind of click and be like well hold on we keep on just failing with these things that should be thriving we got to take a step back and stop letting these other people just come in and be like no yeah dr strange using magic it would never work <laughs> and we'll just have to be a Japan, doctor yeah 
and I'm sure we'll talk way more about this when we get there, but it's like quietly in Japan, the Spider-Man TV show is doing better than anything in America with the most deviation from its source material. The suit just flies flies out of the sky like some Power Ranger stuff and he zips it on like, this is nuts, but okay. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's so awesome. But I feel like this is how we got to what if, is like we figured out who these people were they regathered everybody. And now that we know them so well, we're able to be like, okay, you guys get it now. Now we can go and mess around with it. And Hank Pym can be a serial killer. But could you imagine if that was the first Ant-Man movie? I can, I can, I can't, but I can also imagine that there was that if this came out in the 80s, there would have been someone who pitched that and probably filmed it and be like, cool, this is what we're gonna go with. And I'm like, that's not Ant-Man at all, but how do we get here? oh it would have been great it would have been so (laughs) fun but yeah it's just it's wild because like that's it there's and there's these long gaps of nothing it reminds me of when star wars wasn't quite what it was and around like 1984 the last toy line came out and then it was just like we're done with star wars now shut it down we're done (laughs) it won't be until 1999 in the late 90s when power of the force 2 comes out with these special editions and then episode one but for like 10 years you're done yeah and it's like every few now and then they're just like oh we're good yeah so I, then i there's a cyclical thing with all of these and it, it I, I don't know why that is uh it's weird though because they sort of almost counter marvel was still trying to figure that out at least superman seems to have always been that logo that always sort of exists so they were always having lois and either lois and clark or some version of a superman on screen so superheroes were staying in the the zeitgeist but marvel was just failing miserably oh well the other thing that i i think if we do a season if what if gets a season two and we continue doing this it would be the animated shows because for every failure we're talking about in the 90s there is a spider-man cartoon an x-men cartoon an ff cartoon iron man silver surfer that are doing things, Batman, the animated series, which mm-hmm. isn't Marvel, but like One some of the most yeah. influential superhero storytelling was happening, syndicated for kids, but they were just sitting there pulling their hair out, being like, why won't Daredevil work as a TV <laughs> show? Yeah. And it's and Jamie, you're right. Like it's crazy now how many things just never came out. Like uh, damage control, the old sitcom they were gonna do. That just gets like name dropped in Spider-Man Homecoming. We never saw that. There was a while where we were just like, there's going to be a lot of Marvel TV. I just interviewed Matt Nix, who was the showrunner of The Gifted. And and just him he even talking about like the difficulties of like not being allowed to talk about Magneto or Wolverine in The Gifted. And, uh, and I think that like, that was a problem too for like agents of shield it's, had that problem it's such I, like, the gift was like, such a the gift mm-hmm. gift was such a good show mm-hmm. but if they could have at least you have magneto's daughter on the show but you can't mm-hmm. mention magneto there's a something's wrong like there's a disconnect let's just give us the rights let's stop playing this and it seems like i don't know why they're still doing it but it seems like that used to be the stranglehold that dc had with their characters they're like don't mention superman don't mention batman they seem to have loosened up off of that because now they're like all right screw it use them whatever do a superman show i don't care i hope marvel gets into that now that they own all the chips but yeah i mean agents of shield was like allowed to talk about stuff but they weren't allowed to there were like certain characters they weren't allowed to touch like they only they they were told they could use modok and then they were like never mind you can't use modok 
uh, things like that. So it was like a constant struggle, but not as bad as what they had to deal with with the X-Men stuff in The Gifted. Yeah. The Gifted was, was nuts. Yeah, that was some insane rights mangling. But it's funny that you even mentioned Modoc because we just got his TV show and we were supposed to get like a Howard the Howard Duck, Duck show. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. And we're still going to get like one of the other ones that were in development. I'm like, well, what, what happened, guys? And why is there no information about it? Because you came out and you were like, Tigra, Howard the Duck, Modoc, and whoever the fourth one was. And, and they're get, all going to join into the offenders. And then all of a sudden you're like, you'll be lucky if you get Modoc. And it's great because you get these you get these cool shows and like get one or two seasons, but because the rights are getting stashed, like The Runaways and uh, Cloak and Dagger were really solid shows. I, I love, love The Runaways. And it's just like, oh, well, never mind. We're just going to hmm. cut cut this one off at the foot. Like, oh, crap. I, I yeah, want TV all of these a... things to be in-house, but can we play with each other? <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy that we are where we are now because even, you know, we still want all the chips on the table and there are still creative decisions made seemingly halfway through the show when you even get to WandaVision and all of a sudden it's like oh we were totally gonna have Doctor Strange show up and then we decided not to yeah oh we were thinking about having Spider-Man show up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and we decided not to it's like oh well these are all things that I would have loved to have seen (laughs) yeah (laughs) but come on so it's it's a very interesting thing because I feel like the feature history is just like one movie takes 10 years to make. And the television history is like, either we're going to hit the ground running and dominate it for 10 years, or like we're just not even going to roll the camera on an episode. <laughs> like this Hulk movie, which I'm sure we'll get to, is like they finished Luke Ferrigno's last movie and then just immediately were like, okay, 1990, we want a Hulk movie out next summer. And it's like, well, that didn't even happen for 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Avi Arad was just like working on this movie while he was working on every other superhero movie. It's like, oh my God. The thing, and some of the ideas you hear about when you get in there where it's like, well, well, we were going to have it be that Banner was experimenting on prisoners and turned them all into insects. And then he had to go fight these insect monsters as the Hulk. And it's like, why? What? (laughs) Why didn't you just pick out a Hulk villain? He has an entire catalog. why not just adapt the characters? <laughs> I, I don't understand, but it's interesting. I don't think we would get to like anything we have now without this attempt at Fox to make this Nick Fury movie because it was really the point where everyone was like, oh, hold on. We've <laughs> been doing it in a certain way since 1944. <laughs> it's, it's time that we all rip off the Matrix and everyone dresses like Blade and Wolverine. And then Sam Raimi will come along and he will say no to that. And then we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But everyone has to go through their emo matrix phase first, which I'm sure will be next week. So stick with us. This has been our show. You can, of course, leave us a review and a comment and let us know what you think. You can then follow the show on Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, as always, Blake. Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. And Terrence does everything else on our Hollywood Already Did It channel, the reviews and trailer reactions. We do other shows on this podcast channel as well. The regular Hollywood Already Did It show about reboots, remakes, and sequels. Jamie has all of her stuff at comicbook.com and often appears on the Phase Zero podcast. And I do a podcast called How Do You Figure About Action Figure Collecting? And you can find all of those on the internet. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.